Welcome to episode 231. I'm Stuart McCullough. I'm the CEO of VHAA. And joining me for this week's discussion is Senior Workplace Relations Consultant, Daniel Pullen. Welcome, Daniel. Thank you, Stuart. We're going to do something a little bit different today. This time, the hunter has become the hunted. Daniel, you'll be showing a clue, and it'll be my job to guess the subject for today's discussion based on that clue. That's correct. What do you have for me? So, Stuart, I've got, uh, I've got two clues, uh, and, and, and I'll give you a hint because today has two topics. Um, so I'll show you now the first topic, uh, which is clue number one, and okay. we'll play that now. Don, Scarlet told me everything. Scarlet, you're fired. Joan, please, it won't happen again. Not here, it won't. Go get your things. So Stuart, you just saw an extract from one of my favorite TV shows, and I know you're a big fan as well. Mad Men. Um, do you want to hazard a guess as to the topic, uh, the first topic of today's podcast? Daniel, it couldn't be more straightforward. It's advertising of vacancies. Look, that is an absolutely brilliant guess, Stuart, and much better than my uh, music therapy guess last week, but you couldn't be more wrong. Um, what you saw there uh, was an example of poor discipline practices. Um, so the first topic of today's podcast is discipline. Uh, so I'll now take you to topic two and the clue for topic two, which I'll play for you now. Under strengths, you've just put accounts. Yeah. That's your job though, that's just, that's just. Mm. No, Keith, I was sort of looking for your skills within your job. So is there anything else you could have put there? Okay. Um, under weaknesses, you've put eczema. So, Stuart, you just saw an extract from another one of my favourite TV shows, which is uh, the UK version of The Office. Mm. Uh, now, uh, after viewing that uh, that clue, would you like to hazard a guess as to the topic that's topic number two of today's podcast? Again, it's it's too straightforward, Daniel. You should make these clues a little bit more difficult. But uh, we heard there Keith uh, say that under weaknesses, uh, he experienced eczema. So clearly the subject is fitness for work. Again, you, you really do. Uh, you really have had a great crack at these uh, at these answers, Stuart. But again, unfortunately, uh, it isn't fitness for work. Uh, it is uh, performance management. And, and the basis for that is that that was a Again, a very poorly conducted performance review. So specifically today, and the title for today's topic is the Doctors in Training Agreement Clause 13 and 13A, which is the Discipline and Performance Management Clause. Well, thank you for that, Daniel. So today we're going to be going through a couple of terms from the new Doctors in Training Agreement, specifically those terms at 13 and 13A involving uh, managing conduct and performance. Uh, and with that clause, we'll be comparing it with the previous term that preceded it under the last agreement, as well as a new performance management clause. Uh, the first and most obvious question, Daniel, is why have we put these two together in the same podcast? Look, it's a great question. Um, the reason being is there's a link between the proactive component of performance management, as set out in clause 13A, which is the new component, and the reactive component of managing conduct and performance, uh, which is uh, the former discipline clause, which is a clause 13. 
All right, so these clauses really work hand in hand. That's correct. And good practice suggests that if an employee is having formal performance management discussions um, within the managing conduct and performance clause, that it would have been expected that at the very least, informal performance discussions would have occurred. You mentioned the location of the clause um, previously, just briefly, but for the sake of completeness, whereabouts can members find these two terms under the new doctors and training agreement? Uh, so as you mentioned uh, last week, Stuart, um, we've tried to keep agreements, uh, sorry, this agreement uh, and the medical specialist agreement in the same order uh, as the as the current agreement. So you'll find these two clauses at clause 13 and 13A. And so the reason for that 13A, um, which is sort of like, you know, a, a, a subdivision, uh, as it were, um, is that intended to what? Preserve the, the numbering throughout the rest of the agreement? That's correct. So on the topic of the, the clause title, you said before that the, the first clause we're going to talk about was um, the managing conduct and performance, uh, but that was previously entitled discipline. Why the change in nomenclature? So this stems from our nurses and midwives negotiations where it was jointly agreed that the term discipline carries a negative stigma. Um, also, the clause is more than just discipline. Uh, it includes terms around investigations and performance management more generally. We carried this principle forward into this uh, public sector round and replicated this for doctors in training and for medical specialists. All right, so clause 13 is something that we would generally uh, call a, a common clause, uh, notwithstanding it's not identical necessarily to every other agreement. That's correct. So while each agreement will have minor nuances and we probably describe them as scars from the bargaining table, um, they do convey the same principles in the most part. So let's begin at clause 13. Uh, it appears that most of the clause is, is broadly structured as it previously was. That's correct. There are some new additions, however, so we'll work through those now. So take us through, uh, let's let's start at the very top. Take us through subclause one application. So subclause one application um, provides that the health service will notify the doctor in accordance with subclause 13.4b as soon as practicable following the employer becoming aware of the alleged concerns at subclause 13.1a. So firstly here we have an addition at D and that requires the health service to notify the doctor in accordance with 13.4b uh, uh, and, and that's to ensure that the employer does that uh, in, uh, in before, uh, sorry, whilst becoming aware of the alleged concerns at subclause 13.1a. Is that issue of, uh, of acting on concerns um, once you know about them? Um, it's hard to imagine a circumstance where an employer would uh, would sit on concerns that that uh, that troubled them. And can you tell us a little bit more bit more about why that clause has been introduced? So where the term originates from is uh, is from a concern that when issues arise, that an employer might reach back for stale issues and then add them to the current list. It's really saying that you can't sit on something and then reach back at will. So if you're going to address it, then you have to do so in a timely way. Moving on from there to subclauses E and, uh, and F, we have a term that facilitates a process whereby health services uh, can deal with concerns uh, that they have with, uh, with doctors during that first six months of employment that distinguishes uh, them from other doctors. Yeah, so you can see there on screen that there's a provision that uh, members would recall seeing in, in some of the agreements from this current bargaining round, and that's hmm. an exception for uh, for the clause or for some components of the clause uh, where doctors have not completed a minimum period of employment with their health service. Uh, 
And the minimum period of employment is that defined in Section 383 of the Act, which aligns with that provided for in the, within the unfair dismissal jurisdiction, which is six months. Uh, and it does provide for what we would describe as a truncated uh, investigation and, and, and discipline and performance management process. Um, and it, and it, it is provided on screen, but very briefly, you still need to provide those concerns to the doctor in writing as soon as practicable. That still exists. The doctor still has the right to have a representative. Um, there is still the opportunity uh, to uh, fast track in the case of serious misconduct, but in the case other than cases of serious misconduct, the doctor needs to be provided an opportunity to improve their performance or conduct. Um, there still needs to be a meeting with that doctor and the hospital still needs to consider any explanation by the doctor or in mitigation. But the terms at clause 13.3 to 13.5 do not apply to doctors within the scope of the exclusion. And those are the, the clauses that deal with um, the progression, no, the moving through multiple warnings. So really the difference between those people who have completed a minimum period of employment, have more than six months under their belt, and those that have not uh, go to um, whether or not you need to go through that stepped warning process or not. So procedural fairness is still an entitlement, but you don't need to go through a series of warnings um, to to ultimately ultimately lead potentially to termination of employment. Yeah, that's correct. Um, Daniel, one of the additions to the term uh, is a a definition of procedural fairness uh, in subclause two. Can you tell us a little bit about that new subclause, that new definition? Yeah, so the clause that's provided on screen and it's in uh, subclause D uh, provides as follows, and it defines procedural fairness, uh, and it means that a person whose interests will be affected by a decision receives a fair and reasonable opportunity to be heard before the decision is made. Procedural fairness is concerned with the decision making process followed, or sorry, decision making process followed, or steps taken by a decision maker rather than the actual decision itself. This is a great example of where a term was used but not defined, and there was a preference um, during bargaining perhaps to flesh that out and describe what procedural fairness is in case uh, people weren't really clear on, on uh, the parameters of that principle. So that really highlights the importance of following the steps in the clause, doesn't it? It does, and thankfully the steps haven't changed dramatically, so members should be well aware of what's necessary. So that's something of a segue to subclause three, which deals with the investigative procedure. In terms of that investigative procedure, Daniel, what's changed there? So there is a new addition at C through to E. Uh, C provides, and it's on screen, that where a health service has complied with subclause 13.1B1 through to 13.1B4, and the doctor does not dispute the concerns, the doctor may opt to decline the opportunity to be interviewed. It then follows that D, that where the doctor opts to be to decline the opportunity to be interviewed, the doctor may still raise matters under clause 13.4C, including matters in mitigation if a disciplinary procedure is proposed. So C and D on screen both deal with the circumstance where the allegations put to the doctor are not in dispute and the doctor declines the opportunity to be interviewed. Okay, so the interview is, is as to whether or not the thing that's said to have occurred or the issue that is said to exist, whether it occurred or exists. Um, so this is really that is a reference to those issues being uncontested. That's correct. Um, but the doctor may, however, still raise matters in mitigation, whether there was a valid reason for the conduct or whether the doctor knew or ought to have known the alleged behaviour was below acceptable standards. So the matters in mitigation really go to what, if any, sanction might apply to the doctor. 
And this, uh, Daniel, is consistent with a number of other agreements in this round? That's correct. Uh, just in terms of um, subclause three, um, what's the new addition at E that you referred to before? So E provides that where the doctor is being stood down by a health service during a process set out in this clause 13, the doctor will receive ordinary pay for their rostered hours as if the doctor was not stood down by the health service. So E, so, e is really dealing with the statement of the obvious. I would have thought that you, you can't stand someone down without pay, otherwise that in effect is a termination of employment. That's correct. So we, we would anticipate that this additional term replicates existing practice in that rare circumstance where a doctor is stood down with pay pending an investigation. That's correct. Um, so you can't stand down a doctor without pay in this circumstance. So the subclause, as you mentioned, really is stating the obvious. So that takes us to subclause seven, which uh, is a general term about performance management. That's correct. So the common clause does include a general term about performance management, which we felt was appropriate to retain. And we've provided it on screen. So it uh, arrives at 13.7. And it states that for further information on performance management, see clause 13A of this agreement. It follows at A, that nothing in this clause 13 shall prevent, uh, sorry, will prevent the health service from undertaking performance management to support doctors. In this clause 13, performance management includes reasonable actions to address performance by identifying performance deficits, the health services expected outcomes and performance measures, and strategies to meet those measures, including the provision of support and education the doctor may reasonably require. Performance management measures may be included in a performance improvement plan that seeks to address the identified deficits within a reasonable time period. And then at C, in this Clause 13, performance management does not include sanctions in addition to those set out at Clause 13.5 above. Members might recall that the reason for that term was a decision of the Fair Work Commission that had created a little bit of uncertainty in the sector as to whether or not someone could be performance managed at the same time as potentially being disciplined or not. Uh, moving on to Clause 13a, uh, which is the more specific performance management term, that's been uh, inserted as a result of uh, claims made by the AMA. Can you share a summary of the key issues that were discussed? So AMA and Asimov raised a claim that you mentioned regarding the provision of unexpected feedback, which is given at the end of a rotation via a reference. They provided anecdotal examples where doctors hadn't received any negative feedback during their rotation, and at the end of their rotation, their reference noted underperformance. What does the term in the agreement do about that issue? So it was the AMA and ASMOF's preference that a term was included in the agreement to promote regular constructive feedback and that it was anticipated that this would minimise unexpected feedback at the conclusion of a rotation via a reference. So that takes us to the clause itself. Let's start with subclause one. So subclause one is titled purpose and provides as follows. That regular feedback and review that is proactive, informed and constructive is an important part of professional development for doctors based on a shared commitment requiring good communication between the doctor and the supervisor or line manager. So that's really a statement that feedback and re review are really just a normal part of the employment experience. Correct. Um, so it continues that the purpose of this clause is to ensure that where the health service or supervisor or line manager has concerns as to possible underperformance, which needs to be managed beyond any regular feedback or review process, that they are addressed in a manner that is structured, transparent and fair. So once again, that issue of transparency, which we know was a theme during negotiations, generally coming to the fore with that term. 
and it continues on uh, that whether through regular feedback and review or in the case of possible underperformance, um, that performance management and feedback should enable doctors to optimise performance and communication and minimise unexpected feedback at the conclusion of a rotation. It also uh, provides that doctors includes those who are not part of a formal training program. So those parts really underscore the importance of that regular and constructive feedback that the AMA had raised in the context of those negotiations. It does, and it also captures the minimisation of surprises at the end of a doctor's rotation through that reference. So that takes us on to subclause two of that new term, the application of the clause. That's correct. So this subclause two provides as follows. Where an employer wishes to deal with performance issues of a doctor, they will be dealt with in accordance with this clause 13a. Where an employer has concerns about a performance issue that may constitute misconduct, they will be dealt with in accordance with clause 13. Where this occurs, the performance management process uh, in subclause 13a.4c d and e will still apply where appropriate, which means that if the issue is of a general underperformance nature and doesn't constitute misconduct, it's dealt with under this clause. But if it does constitute misconduct, it's dealt with under clause 13. Okay, so it tells you when the clause applies in effect. Uh, the clause goes on to uh, provide for both a, an informal and a formal approach, starting with the informal approach at subclause three. Uh, what does subclause three tell us? So subclause three uh, is titled informal, uh, and, and it provides that where the employer or the employee has concerns about an employee's performance, the employer will, wherever appropriate, deal with these concerns through an informal discussion with the employee when these concerns first arise. The employer will clearly outline the concerns. The employer will be given a reasonable opportunity to address the performance concerns. So this reads pretty much like any standard informal performance management clause, a local level discussion between the doctor and their manager or supervisor. Agreed. Uh, so there's no provision for representation or the need to write to the doctor, but the employer needs to clearly outline the concerns and still give the doctor a reasonable opportunity to address them. That then takes us on to subclause four, which deals with the formal performance management process. And there's a bit in this clause, um, so we'll work through it piece by piece. Um, it starts uh, with uh, the title of formal, and it provides that where the employee's work performance is not at an acceptable standard following the process in subclause 13A.2, or it's not appropriate to deal with the concerns informally, the employer may initiate a formal performance management process. The employer will provide to the employee in writing details of the performance concerns, including where relevant, material that supports those concerns, and notice of the employee's right to be represented by a union or other representative. A and B read quite similar to the same process at Clause 13. The concerns are in writing and the doctor can have a representative. All right, so the key thing themes there that when you move into that formal performance management process, um, then the concerns are reduced to writing and representation uh, is a factor. That's correct. Um, so moving through, uh, it continues that the employer will meet with the employee and where relevant, the employee's representative to discuss the concerns. Ensure the employee is provided with a reasonable opportunity to answer any concerns, including a reasonable time to respond. Give genuine consideration to any response or matters raised by an employee's response. And if a performance management plan is proposed, consult with the employee and the employee's representative on the content of the plan. So C conveys the opportunity to, to respond and the employer's mm. responsibility to give genuine consideration to the response. 
It additionally requires consultation with the doctor and their representative on the content of the plan. I want to come back to that issue of consultation in a moment. When you were going through that subclause, uh, Daniel, it really sounded, those elements sounded very familiar and they sounded a lot like this, the kind of things that you would see in a disciplinary process. But I guess the difference would be in the performance management context, there isn't a sanction. It's Correct. in the context of um, coming up with things that will support better uh, performance rather than a warning or, or anything like that. No, there's no sanction. But coming back to that issue of consultation, when we talk about consultation in the con in this context, are we talking about the kind of process that we associate with, with major change or organisational change or something different? Yeah, it's a good question. So the term consultation in the context of this clause is more like the contents of the plan will be shared and known to the doctor and their representative before it's finalised. So they can provide feedback, but they don't need to agree on its contents. Um, so bearing in mind, the intent is to improve the doctor's performance. So it's an opportunity to influence uh, that, that plan as opposed to a requirement to reach agreement on it. Correct, and it's not consultation like the consultation that we would deal with uh, in the context of major change. Um, so the clause continues at D. Uh, that we're having considered the employer's response. The employer reasonably believes based on the employee's performance that a performance management plan is appropriate. The employer will provide the performance management plan to the employee in writing following the consultation referred to at subclause 13A.4C4, identifying which aspects of the employee's performance are unsatisfactory and the required level of performance which must be reasonable and also provide the employer with a reasonable opportunity to address any concerns over a reasonable time. So D in summary provides that once a performance plan is provided, the doctor should be given a reasonable opportunity to address those concerns over a reasonable time. What's reasonable will depend on the circumstances of their performance plan. Dan, you, you made a comment earlier that this, this term is really in that proactive space about how to get um, you know, an improved performance as, as such. And that particular term is a good example of, of a proactive approach. Uh, yeah, I would agree. Um, and look, finally at E, uh, the clause provides that the employer will provide ongoing feedback on the employee's performance during the period. Uh, and that includes if the employee's performance is not improving to a satisfactory standard and will provide the employer with all reasonable support, counselling and training. So what that conveys that the process is a continuum. So during the timeframe set within the performance uh, plan, the employer will provide feedback, support, counselling and training. So Daniel, that takes us to the end of, of both clause 13 and 13A. But before we finish, uh, it's been a week since our last podcast. Um, is there any update to report with regards to the progress of the draft agreement through that government approval process? Yeah, look, there hasn't been uh, any movement, but when we hear back from government, we'll advise members ASAP via Yammer and then move to the ballot stage. But in the interim, we expect that we'll conduct the uh, implementation forum on Wednesday, the 21st of September, and members should keep an eye out for a bulletin uh, reflecting that date. All right, and just because this is a recording and people might access it at a later time, of course, um, those statements about the agreement might change. As such. But Daniel, thank you so much for taking us through the new clauses 13 and 13A of the Doctors and Training Agreement. Thank you, Stuart.